Welcome to the 10K Collective podcast for six, seven and eight figure Amazon and e-commerce sellers, part of the amazing FBA podcast family. If you want to scale fast, target a seven figure exit and enjoy the process, then keep listening. Ladies and jealous beans, boys and girls, welcome to the 10K Collective Podcast, the place to be for six, seven and eight figure Amazon sellers and indeed e-commerce sellers more broadly. Today, we're talking to Meredith Callagher, who helps small business owners expand their reach and explode their sales. Sounds very exciting with conversion, copywriting and digital ad strategies. And, and today we're going to be focused on the copywriting piece, which I'm, I'm very happy about. Always a great topic. So first of all, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for coming on. Oh, I'm so glad to be here, Michael. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. And we, we managed to get it past some interesting tech issues, as one does with podcasting. So where are you coming to us from today? I am live from my home office, which is in Miami, Florida. Excellent. Yes. We just actually skirted a hurricane. I think they were supposed to be one heading our way, but we missed it. It went around the other side of the state, which is nice. Just brought us a lot of rain. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Glad to hear it. Well, we get a lot of yeah. rain here in, in London, UK, but... Less drama, <laughs> no hurricanes, <laughs> not, not as much sunshine either. So I guess it's a calmer place. Yeah. So today we're going to talk about a couple of topics. So we're going to split this into a sort of two parts. So the first thing is the famed story brand by Donald Miller, which some people have talked about. And it'd be lovely to talk about the, the specifics of how you and you work with your clients to create a, a really strong kind of backbone, foundation, whatever the metaphor is for your brand, for their brands indeed. And then we're going to talk about how that interacts with the whole customer journey. So big old topics. First of all, what is a story brand? It's it's become quite a big buzzword. Obviously, it's an exciting thing. I don't personally know much about it, except I feel I should. It's one of those things on the guilt list. So why is yeah. it, you know, what well, is it and why does it matter? A lot of business um, entrepreneurs and business thinkers talk about story as a way to connect and engage with potential customers. But I love the way Donald Miller spelled it out. And he's had a um, New York Times bestselling book called Building Your Story Brand. And he really taught you how to, taught us, the readers, how to write a story to um, connect with customers. And what he puts forth and what I use in my marketing and my clients' marketing is to, to create a story for your brand, making the customer the hero of his own journey. So in a lot of times without thinking before Donald Miller, maybe when brands wrote their brand story, they made them the business owner, the customer, but really we want the customer to be the hero of their own journey and the, and the business is the guide. Sometimes I say he's like this, you know, the storyteller in the movie. And so, yeah, so he has a model that he takes you through in his on how to create that story with the customer as the hero. I really like that. You know what I'm, I'm totally, utterly over is the hero's journey metaphor. Well, I guess, I guess meta narrative. You're going to be using posh words, I suppose it is. So it's a narrative that fits all the other narratives out there, which is particularly prone in the go, guru space. It's basically talking about yourself. And I, I just find that yeah. so distasteful, so overhearing it for other people. I don't want to talk about it about myself. I have no interest in talking about myself anymore. Even if, you know, <laughs> a natural egomaniac would be sick of it after several hundred podcast episodes. So I'm really, really refreshed immediately by the idea that we're making the customer the hero. So that sounds like a lovely theory. I mean, why does it actually matter in practice? Does this make any difference to, to making sales? And if so, 
plus one? Well, for me, it, if we can get a business brand story written and we can maybe go through how you do that with Donna Miller's technique. But once but if we have that brand story, I really like my clients to just put it right there with their logo and their brand colors and their fonts. And I mean, I'm talking about like a two or three page story right there clipped with your logo in a file and you um, can use it for yourself to, you know, your marketing team or any service providers you hire to really explain to them how it is you want to hook your customers. And so once we get a brand story written, like for one of my clients, it just makes copywriting so much easier because if we understand where we are in um, the customer's process, which I'm we're going to get to that in a minute, but we can just pull things out of to make it simpler, pull things out of this brand story, literally like words out of there and put them in your you know, social media profile or put them in a um, Instagram post or in an email. Um, and it's certainly on your website, like the having your brand story written makes creating website copy so easy. It's awesome. Sounds like many, many virtues that come from it. And I kind of get it. I suppose it's a kind of, I'm constantly, I suppose the the, the word that I'm trying to avoid is bullying. <laughs> yeah. Clients who are really good at operations, but lousy at brand building to do just the basics of visual branding. I'm no visual branding genius, but having brand colors at all, it turns out it's not that common. Like you get to several million dollars a year in run rate and and not actually bother to make that decision which is a huge mistake so i guess this is a more abstract level of the same thing right you're creating a sort of um it sounds almost like something from which you can grab quite straightforwardly it's not too abstract by the sound of it that's quite interesting because I, I would imagine if you do complex brand architectures which is another thing that i've come across from some of the members of the mastermind that i've worked with very sophisticated marketing backgrounds and they do something that's very abstract and you have the brand promise and you have the brand ultimate promise and this sounds a little bit more user-friendly so is that is that right is it sort of is that sure. difference between that and the brand architecture idea yeah I think so I think it is more user-friendly I think it's not as esoteric not as you know like ideas and yeah and less it's, abstract maybe yeah yeah exactly mm-hmm. uh-huh. very interesting okay so you've already teased us that you you're saying you know how to do it <laughs> so yeah take us through the process of how do we go from just kind of standing there with you know maybe a website maybe massive amazon presence and trying to create a direct-to-consumer website maybe you've probably got the obligatory facebook page which you do stuff with but you have no idea whether it's any good or not yeah emails you've probably got a ton of emails and you don't know you haven't emailed anyone for months and you don't know what you're doing this is not untypical for people who are otherwise very sophisticated business operators right so let's take that as a starting point Okay. Where do we go? What I want everybody to do is step back from all of those things and to literally take hours, you know, a full day, just maybe in 30 minutes a day and knock out a brand story from beginning to end and what your brand story looks like. And I, I learned first from Donna Miller's book, Building a Story Brand. He's got lots of tools online, but also, and we'll link this, he has a tool called mystorybrand.com, which is really plug and play. You can walk, you can create your brand story using his free tool. And what it does is this is, these are the, this is how you build your brand story. You start with your character and you define what that character wants. So you really sit down and you think about who your, we hear that word a lot, your ICA, your ideal customer, 
who it is. And this can get confusing, but I don't let it confuse you. Just pick one person that you want to shop with you the most or that, you know, probably brings you the most business. Is she a woman? Is she a man? Is she old? Is she young? Like really define that person and don't be scared to get too specific because the more specific you get, the easier it is to create your story. And really when you're talking to that ideal character, the people that aren't exactly that profile will still hear you if they have pieces of that character in their makeup. So anyway, we start with your ideal character and you sort of just write down who that is. And we ask ourselves what they want. Like, what is this person looking for as it pertains to our business, you know? And then, and like, I think to give an example, like, let's say I own a clothing business, right? I have a line of women's clothes. And my ideal character is a 42-year-old woman who has a couple kids. Maybe she lives in Texas. I don't know. We can You can get as specific as you want because sometimes that helps you talk to her. Let's see if we can even give her a name, you know, Martha. And what Martha wants is some, like, five pieces of clothing that are always in her closet that she doesn't have to think and she knows if she puts it on, she'll look put together, right? And then the second step is after we define the character, we we define Martha's problem. And Donna Miller, he when you when you're going through the story, and stop me if you have questions, Michael, I can just babble on. But there's three levels of problems that our character has, and he really pushes you to define all three of them. He wants you to define her, the external problem, the internal problem our character has, and then a villain. And in like Martha's example, external problem might be that she never has time to shop. That could be one of them. Or, you know, she is one size on top and one size on bottom, like just different kind of external problems that she has. But her internal problem might be, you know, like low self-esteem or she um, doesn't like, like think she looks good in color or things like that could be internal. And, and then the villain is, I love this. He says, you know, this is really helpful, especially in your marketing, to really define what the villain of your story is. And a way that we can do that is to fill in this blank. If my customer didn't have to deal with X, her life would be so much better. And so maybe for this clothes manufacturers, if my customer didn't have to deal with cheaply made clothes, or maybe it's if my customer didn't have to deal with so many options for clothing, her problems would be solved, you know? And so just defining that villain can be really helpful as you define marketing going forward. I like it. So just a couple of reflections. I mean, some of it, obviously everyone talks about the ideal customer avatar and people misuse that in the sense that they just kind of define it in a mechanistic way, which is fine, but I would call that demographic work. I mean, an avatar is a single person that stands in for lots of other people, right? So I like the fact that you're calling them, you're giving them any of these things can work as long as you're clear what exercise it is you're involved in. My my experience of business is if you think you're doing A, but you're actually clearly doing B, it's when it starts to melt down. So I like the fact it's very personalized. It's not very necessarily data-driven i'm sure you could construct something in a data-driven way i know quite a lot of my listeners probably very data-driven that sort of amazon seems to track that but that's the first thing that that it's it's clearly an avatar but what's interesting is that immediately the levels piece forces us to think beyond just the product which is like you know marketing 101 is forget about the product is selling something to solve a problem 
what I really like is immediately he's taking us deeper to an internal problem, which is the ultimate benefit. The flip side of that, I guess, for me would be the ultimate benefit, which I'm always, you know, begging my clients or bullying, depending on what mood I'm in. So like, please, if you're going to sell this to somebody, why are they really buying it? What's really behind it? And it's often a feeling, right? So I like that. But the villain thing is really cool. That's very different. What do you think the villain piece brings to it that the other the other problem orientation things don't just on their own? I think I honestly I think it makes it just helps you clearly define um, copyright. I know that's silly, but like it really gives you tactile words to use in like social media posts when we don't know what to say. We can talk about that villain over and over again in different ways. You know, yeah, I think it's that that right there really helps us connect with a customer. Like once they become aware of us, if they see that we understand them, that we understand their problems, then that really helps, you know, move them along to a sale quickly. I think anything that helps to give life to our copy has got to be good. I mean, I Mm. I tend to be a little bit too mechanistic about it i suppose and amazon encourages that and as so as you once you're blinking into emerging blinking into the sunlight of direct consumer marketing on your own site or when you have emails to write or facebook which has regulations around it but it's much broader canvas and you suddenly have you could do anything and therefore you you kind of freeze right so it's useful to have something to hang on to so we've defined yeah. the problem we've got our ideal customer avatar or whatever the word is what's the next step after that the next step is they meet their guide so this is when they meet you and this is not the time when they want to hear that you inherited your mom's business and it's been around for 35 years and you were you know, you're based out of Miami, Florida. No one cares at this point. What they want to know about the guide is like, do you have empathy for me? So maybe, you know, if it's my clothing business, you know, this is where in the brand story we would write about. I, you know, I was a size 14 on top and a size six on bottom and I hated all the clothes options and I never felt good. Like you can kind of put your own story if you, if it relates, you always want to be truthful, authentic. It makes it easier. And then also here in the meeting the guide part is we want to give you authority. So we don't, I mean, so this where maybe if you've been in business 26 years, that would help there, but you know, we can use testimonials in this authority piece to, we can maybe if you, you know, went to school for your, the business that you're in, we can use that here, but we want to give, demonstrate empathy and give you the business owner authority to be the one guiding them through this process by the way that's an interesting set of priorities because a lot of people talk about authority and it clearly matters but a lot of um, what i feel is out there that this is a corrective of two things one is the hero's journey it's all about me did i mention me i'm going to tell you yeah. i just made 10 million dollars on amazon i'm always like i don't care i just don't want to know about your ferrari and your massive house you're just operating yeah. already uh, maybe it's a british reaction to a very sort of I don't know, maybe you're in Florida, so maybe we could call it a Californian, right? It's the opposite side of the States. You could be reading about them. They're 3,000 miles away. But it's, totally. a kind of, it's that kind of kind of really icky way of selling. But this also, what you said is authority, which obviously everyone's big on building, and so they should, but empathy first, which is, I feel, the missing piece. So tell me a bit about, let, let's just think about the poor entrepreneur trying to absorb this and do this stuff what are the classic mistakes you see people make around this empathy piece because it it makes sense intellectually and yet 
we all mess it up myself included so so what is it that's driving that and how do we sort of get better at this stuff yeah i think the most powerful is if you did start your business because of a problem that you solved for yourself and i think the common mistake is though is not being authentic because people really can see through that you know so if if it isn't true for you you just which a lot of businesses that might not be the case, then you could use, you know, the story of a customer's transformation when they got your product here or, you know, why it's important to you. But so I think to answer your question, I think that that's a mistake people might make is that the empathy isn't communicated because it doesn't feel authentic. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. And I think it's nice to have permission to be authentic because, that's another thing as marketers I feel myself doing so often and maybe it's very being British and not very kind of commercially minded in my original background as a musician and um, coming into a world that's very kind of Americanized in its culture and that's true for Amazon.co.uk or selling on you know it's kind of an American creation that's now gone huge in, in China and it is developing. But there's mm-hmm. something about the culture of it that's very American. And I think there's part of quite a lot of people around the world, including Americans probably, who don't necessarily feel that they have permission to be authentic. So it's very interesting that you're kind of giving us permission, which feels very nice, I have to say. So thank you for that. <laughs> so oh, after, we've, <laughs> after we've had permission to be honest, yes. but to be empathetic and authoritative, which is a nice combination to be as a person, of course, we've already defined the problem. We've talked about the customer avatar. What, what do we do next here? So then we... we... So we give them the plan and the plan isn't the call to action yet. The plan is the process of working with you and promise, any promise that you're going to make to them. So it could be, I mean, if you're an Amazon seller, like, you know, you go to my, you go to uh, my page on Amazon and you hit buy, you know, and we'll ship you, you explain basically what the, the processes of working with you or getting your product. And then any promise that you have to them as a business owner, like that would go here, which is maybe, you know, we only use a hundred percent cotton from America. If that's what you do. Or we only, you know, all of our employees live in the same city that we do or whatever promise you want to make, you fill them in here. Maybe a, a money back, any guarantees you might offer. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that sounds pretty straightforward. So, yeah. what's the difference between this this being a plan versus a call to action? Then I know. Well, the next yeah, step, the it's a little funny for e-commerce, I guess, because there's not that the uh, the plan for maybe non-e-commerce businesses can be a lot more complicated. You know, we'll have a discovery call and then we'll do this. So that's why they sort of divide it. But the next step in his process is the call to action. So you're basically telling in the plan, you're telling them about the whole business process. It would include you know, the shipping and when you receive it and that, that you would literally write that out in your brand story. And then you sort of make clear. So the way for anyone who's selling not on Amazon, I think it's really important to do that. What you just said about how it works, I think is something that we can all assume. And they say assumption, you know, is the mother of all F-ups is, is my <laughs> phrase I learned. Which yeah. I think it's true. So in other words, if your customer is a bit worried about, is this going to, do you ship on Sundays? I need this for Tuesday. And you don't answer that question that's in their brain, then I guess, you know, you, you're asking to block the sale because you haven't answered a, a question. They say, you know, the confused mind never buys, right? So I think it's, uh, yeah, interesting, interesting that you, you mentioned that because I think it's easy to assume them badly there. So uh, yeah. you've got a direct to consumer. Yeah. I mean, what are your thoughts? So is this a common problem or is this just in my head? 
No, I think for sure. And I think that what's nice about writing your brand story out is it gives you the chance to really think through all those things. I mean, think about the plan and you're not going to put it everywhere. Some places like above the fold on your website, you're just going to put the call to action, you know, like click here to buy. But maybe you have a um, FAQ page, frequently asked question page. And there you go to your brand story and you like, okay, what did I say the process was? And you can pull out a bunch of questions people might have about your, your plan. And this, you'll already have it written out in your brand story. I think yeah. it's a good exercise. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. And I guess what we're doing, uh, what I really like about any process like this is we we are creating a brand identity that is separate from any individual expression of it, such as on an Amazon product page, for example. And I think yes. it's so important if we're going to create a separate identity for a product and based business if you primarily sell on Amazon, that it starts in your head, doesn't it? Or what you're saying is like you literally write it in a folder so the owner starts to be aware of their separate identity and articulate that. And I think it does show up in very specific ways, though, because, you, you for example, one of the biggest brands on Amazon that I, I know have has some fantastic YouTube videos that explain exactly how you use their products. And yeah. that in itself gives a lot of value, which isn't it doesn't mean it's their sales channel. It's not necessarily even their traffic channel in the sense of driving a lot of traffic to Amazon, although some of it does. But it, it is part of reassuring the consumers and, and getting them to understand how to use the product, which is really important just mechanically in preventing yeah. negative reviews. So actually, I think this stuff really does apply. The more I think about it, the humble CTA needs to be put in its place, doesn't it? It's not, it's yes. not the whole story. Well, and it's so smart because if you'll start at the beginning and get your brand story written, then if you explode with growth, right, and you find yourself with that hundreds of thousands of customers and your people are telling you we need how to video like you can go back to your brand story and start building these YouTube videos with the how to you know the how to's or or maybe you're ready to move off of Amazon and have a second marketing channel where you do need more content than maybe on an Amazon page. It will prevent that you you'll be consistent. If you start with this this brand story, it'll make sure that you know from platform or as you move from different sales channel, your story to your customers is always consistent, which really helps them trust you more too, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I love mm-hmm. this. This is great. I mean, I think this ties in very well with, if you like modern Amazon selling, where it's not just Amazon selling, even if your yeah. primary sales channel is Amazon, that doesn't mean they have to discover you on Amazon. That doesn't mean the story ends after they bought on Amazon. I, I guess you can always have YouTube videos out there that show you how to use the product. And I guess the time when people want to know that is when they've got it. So I guess it's intrinsically a post-sale thing, right? Yeah. Okay, so there's a lot there. So we've given them the plan, much broader how does the process of working with us work and what's the promise. And then the the humble call to action in the end has to be there, I guess, right? So Yeah, then he he says, then you... He just said, basically, what is the call to action? Like, And really, this could be like one line, like, you know, for me, you know, I want people to book a... uh, a 30 minute discovery call. So that's my main call to action. Like click this button, book a call. And then I sell them there. But for on Amazon, if you're selling, you know, it's just like click the button to buy. Like what do you want them to do? That's your call to action. Just one word. And yeah. And then there's two more steps. Sorry, I started to jump ahead. Does that clear? Do you have any questions on the call to action? Like uh, probably for direct response marketers, that the most straightforward thing. So no, it's all good. Yeah, let's let's go to the next one. What's next? Okay, cool. Okay, and then there's two. He says that we want to write that ends in success. So remember, we're talking about the customer. He had a problem. He met the guide. We give this this customer, this soon to be hero, a plan. We give him a call to action. So we assume that 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 customer becomes a hero by 
engaging, taking the call to action. And then he ends in success. And Donna Miller separates these two. He says he wants you to define the successes that our our hero has and the failures that we help him to avoid. So I really like to list out everything. So in when we are writing this brand story, like once that your customer buys from you, like what successes and think about the internal and the external problems that we had, you know, she'll look good. She'll have a gorgeous new outfit. She'll be happy that that she has something to wear on Saturday night, you know, make her feel good about herself, like write all the successes and then write the failures that she avoided. You know, she won't have to spend 30 minutes in her closet before she goes on a date on Saturday night. She won't be annoyed when her, she doesn't have a pants that match her skirt because she bought the five pieces that are supposed to be mix and match. So we write both of those things out in our brand story like that a lot i think one of the mm-hmm. things i've learned recently from a, a business coach which is to do with selling marketing services i guess in my case but or you know business coaching services but i think applies to e-commerce and is often overlooked because it's a little bit hard to imply but i think on a direct to consumer site you have a bit more space and that is the the cost of not doing business with you and i think that's super smart i haven't really yeah. heard anyone else articulate that in the marketing space so I really like that a lot. I mean, in a practical way, have you got some examples of for your, you know, your lady who who I'm beginning to get to feel like I I know Martha, which is great because I know her fears and aspirations and what, and she's going on dates. So she's got two kids and she's dating and she's 40. Like that's already a bit complex. Has she booked a babysitter? I'm I'm already concerned, you know, about how long she's going to be out. So she's already got a lot on her head. So how do we, how would we in a practical way put that across? If, If we've got say a Shopify site and you're selling these lovely mix and match outfits and forgive my ignorance of women's clothing preferences in yeah. Florida. But you know, you've got this thing where you can mix the, the, the pants or the trousers as we call them and the tops and it's all going to match perfectly. It's simple. It's elegant. It's not, yes. you know, it, she feels comfortable in it. Um, I think how it, do it's, we get that across? Well, in the copy and in the images too, like she's going to look super polished, you know, maybe in the image of the the sales image. She, I think a big one for Martha is the time it's going to save her. I mean, this is a woman with kids that we didn't say if she worked or not, but let's say she works full time. She didn't have time to sit in her closet looking for outfits that go together. So I think with Martha in the copy, you know, when you buy this, these five complimentary pieces, you're going to save yourself tons of time and angst, you know, who it's annoying and you don't want to go on a date totally frustrated after spending 30 minutes in your closet trying to find something to match. You know, you'll be, you'll be at ease and ready to uh, go on this date and ready for fun. Yeah. So you use the words and it, you, you know, you spend time writing this out in your brand story. So when it is time to build that, copy it's easy to do you know on shopify you just pull it out of your brand story and that's why i really encourage people to really explore so when we're talking about the the problems that martha has the villain the internal and external write them all out like this is a time to really brainstorm and brain dump now you won't you might not end up using all three or all 20 of them in your website copy you might just pick the top three but it's nice to go back to when you are like maybe making a social media post later. Yeah. So the, so the, I think the successes that Martha has and then the problems she has before that are a great way to engage with someone and convert them from like a 
follower or someone that's interested in us to like actually buying from us. I like that. And, and when it comes to social media, one of my issues is always I know, coming up with something fresh and engaging. I can come up with random social media posts all day long, but they're not very thought through and connected. And then I can come up with stuff that's very kind of mechanical, like, you know, obviously this is going on social media right now. But the trouble is, if it's a bunch of how to stuff, as somebody pointed out recently, you know, all your content's how to and there's not much <laughs> engagement there. Then, of course, it's absolutely true. So what what I like about this is you're separating again, you're separating the problems such that when you have to write a social media post, you could write a great post. I can imagine just if you are, you know, your, your target customer, as you say, you don't have to be. And I wouldn't work for me. But if you happen to be a Martha and you're, you know, 40, have two kids, whatever, then you could write this, your how crap your day was. And that's basically the post of the before picture, isn't it? How, how bad it will be and what you want to avoid. And yeah. So I guess that that automatically gives you the ability to tell stories in social media in an engaging way in a less of a concrete way maybe for me shopify was the automatic place you should shoehorn it in but maybe it doesn't fit there and then the other thing that strikes me is if you've got 26 different ways of telling a story you only need to grab two of them or one of them for a social media post then again you don't have to sit there wrecking your brains going oh my goodness how can i come up with something fresh so i really like this a lot i, I think this is i've heard of the story brand thing i've not really thought about how to implement it so you've really connected the dots for me that's really great stuff well, one thing that, that Donna Miller teaches and that if you write your brand story, we write it out just like we talked about. But then he helps us identify our character's transformation. And basically, just it's one sentence that our character went from this to this. So, you know, we start with our character went from a woman who didn't know what to wear or a woman who spent 30 minutes in her closet trying to decide what to wear to a happy, polished, stylish mom on the move or something like that, you know, and, and that, that transformation sentence, I use, that's what I want you to put above your fold on your website. Like for me, my transformation is, is I help small business owners expand their reach and explode their sales. Right. And I, that's really what, when we're making, if people aren't aware of us before, the first thing they want to know is what can you do for me? You know, what value do you have for me? They don't want, they don't care about your fancy Ferrari or they don't, you know, they just want to know what you would do for me. And so that you really want to use that transformation statement in your social media profiles. It's a good place to use that. And yeah. And if you're getting introduced on a podcast, it's a great place to like summarize that brand story. Good stuff. I like this a lot. So you've got you know, a free link to uh donald mini story brand tool which you use so with, that's amazing fba.com forward slash story brand if you're listening and uh, just tell us very quickly what that's about yeah well, so that we will put to donald miller's tool which is mystorybrand.com we'll put a link there and it literally is just a fill in the blank to create your story and he kind of reminds you what is what is the villain, for instance, and this is where I want you to put that. And this is what we list out the external problems. And if you can't remember what an external problem might be, he'll link to maybe a YouTube video that explains that. So it's a really awesome tool. And you can just, I use it to help my clients build their story, but you can do your own story there. But I also will share, I think we all create a cheat sheet for your listeners that to help them know examples of where they can use their brand story, right? So once you have the brand story written, you should put the character transformation 
uh, you know, in these places. And then maybe you can write, um, you can use the problems from your brand story in social media posts and maybe an email. And so you think that would be helpful to people? Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. sounds great. Well, we're going to wrap this sort of segment up because I know in our next uh, episode, we're going to talk about how to really, you know, inject the story brand into the customer journey which we're already starting to touch on but i'll yeah. just kind of wrap that cleanly up so we got these these few steps to create the brand story in the first place which i really like i think the more thought we have at a deep level whether that be you know understanding the finance of our business or in this case that the, the marketing kind of psychology i think the better quality brand we're building before we even step near the computer which i think is a wonderful thing so thank you very much meredith uh, callaher so very very good stuff indeed thank you so much for explaining all about story brand my pleasure. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the 10K Collective podcast for six and seven figure Amazon sellers. I really hope you found the show helpful to you. Please don't forget to subscribe to the show. And if you're on Apple Podcasts, please do leave us a quick star rating. It will take you all of 30 seconds to do it, but it does mean we can be found by and help many more e-commerce business builders. I wish you fast and profitable scaling, and I hope you enjoy the process of building your seven-figure Amazon business. Thanks very much for listening.